Both of them are on a chain gang. One's on the chain gang who's putting chains on. The other folks are on another chain gang taking the chains off. I guess the question is, which one do you belong to? You're either all chained up, tied up, tangled up, all the things of the world, or just some of the things of the world, or you're more interested on the other side, cutting loose everything you can to be free of all the things that would hinder you. That's my desire tonight. Amen. What a great privilege it is for us to be able to gather together tonight. <clears throat> Think of it, friends, if it wasn't for the grace of God, we could be gathered under some title of some church sign when you pulled in out here that it would have been some denominational name, whatever. It could have been some cult after this man's name or that man's name. Or we could be gathered under the auspices of the presence of God. To me, there's no higher honor. Amen. God bless you. Let's turn tonight, if you would, to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 1. <clears throat> We've been speaking about getting into the Spirit. I believe everybody believes that tonight, don't we? That everybody's getting into some type of spirit, some type of influence. Our world is full of it <clears throat> every day. We read more and more about it. Listen as Paul addresses this some 2,000 years ago, but yet not only speaking to those saints of that day, <clears throat> but it would carry over into the dispensations of the last days, which are plural, which is the last 2,000 years of time, as it's going to be measured under the church ages. Now, we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And the Greek word there is parousia, which is his personal presence. By his personal presence of our Lord Jesus Christ, by our gathering together unto him. Now notice the difference between what the real believers are going to be gathered to versus so many of the rest of the people of the world. The real elect are gathered unto Christ Jesus. While the rest of the world is gathered unto politics or under the mark of the beast or the power of the dragon or all this, but we are gathered <clears throat> unto him. That you be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled, neither by spirit nor by word nor by letter 
as from us. Now, this shows us the way in which Satan in that first church age was already riding that horse as he was going about trying to conquer. So he was using spirit, word, and a letter. And I told you that someone had impersonated Paul's handwriting and had sent it out to the church of Thessalonica and convinced them that they were in the tribulation period. So he wants to let them know whether it's by spirit or whether it's by some word or by a letter from us that the day of Christ is at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come. Now, he's going to let them know, and us as well, of course, except there come a falling away first. And that man of sin be revealed the son of perdition. I mean, like to be remembered tonight as we pray before the Lord. Lord Jesus, we read these profound words tonight. I, I, I don't know how many people down through time would have read these passages of Scripture. They no doubt have been written in most of the known languages around the world. They've been preached from churches, from different storefronts, from caves, from tent meetings and brush harbors, warning the people of God. Countless millions of them have heard these scriptures read, and they still ring just as true to us tonight as they were that day the Spirit of God inspired Paul to write them. How thankful we are, Father, that the early church-age fathers recognized what Paul wrote was not his opinion. They recognized there was something so astounding about these words. We're so grateful that they didn't just take it as a letter written from a preacher to a church somewhere, and then after they read it, they destroyed it. Probably most of us that have received written letters, I dare say there's probably no one here under the sound of my voice that's ever kept every letter they've ever got from even their mama, from their husband, their boyfriend, their girlfriend, their daddy, whoever more. But oh, how grateful we are that these letters were kept. Thank you, Father. It took some elect in that day when they read this to realize this is more than just a letter to us. This is not this man's opinion. This is not his idea. But they took it to be the Word of God. What a great revelation it was to those saints that they believed that this prophet's words was the Word of God. We are so thankful. I pray to now, Father, that you would help us, that we would be able to receive it as such. Quicken us, I pray, Father, to be able to pull this through the evening light, and it will make it even more real to us. Grant it, we pray, in the name of the Lord Jesus. And the saints said, Amen. Amen. God bless you, friends. You may be seated tonight. Let me read to you from um, Earnestly Contending for the Faith, which was spoken in 1953. I want you to notice how that Brother Branham already 
Now remember, he's several, several years. He's a decade or so away from the seals coming open. But the spirit of the end time had already struck the earth. He's three years out from America actually rejecting their visitation from God. Several years before the turning of their backs, finally, away from the gospel. But he can sense already that there's something moving. Now listen how he says this. The people have to be in this kind of a spirit to bring the latter days. So there must be a parallel anointing that is on the people themselves that they come under the spirit before the latter days can actually come. So there must be a coinciding of the anointing that's on the people. The people of the world will get under a worldly spirit. And many times the people will forerun the spirit and then there's other occasions that the spirit will forerun the people. It's the same with the elect. Satan sometimes has been able to catch ahead of the elect what God actually had on his mind. You don't, I hope you don't find it amazing that there were different some men that claimed they were Elijah before the real Elijah ever proclaimed it himself. John Alexander Dowie, one of them, of course, he came before Brother Ranham, established the city in Zion, Illinois, near Chicago there. All the original streets in the city have Bible names and religious names. And eventually, of course, he was going to make it a heaven on earth and all that you've read about him. And you know that there were other men as well. Now, what was that? It was Satan that somehow began to break into the timeline of God. Remember, when Jesus came on the earth, there were actually so men who preceded his coming who were called Jesus. Now how is that possible whenever God himself never announced the redemptive name of God? Now remember the name Jesus is the Greek word of the Hebrew word Yahshua which is Joshua of the Old Testament. But how did Satan know God could have chosen Zedekiah? He could have chosen Zechariah. He could have chosen Malachi. How did Satan know before God pronounced the human name of redemption, but Satan was able to break into that and cause several people to go before? Even several that claimed they were the Messiah. Remember the Lord Jesus referred to them. So Satan sometimes will forerun before the elect even catch on. Then when God sends the message, what well, did people say? Oh, didn't so-and-so raise up and say he was Elijah? Now you imagine when the Lord Jesus come on the scene that they said, oh yeah, wasn't there so-and-so that raised up and he said his name is Jesus? And wasn't there so-and-so that raised up? And then they say, oh, same old, same old. Yeah, what is that? A scarecrow to scare the crows. And it does a really good job on crows, but it don't affect us eagles. So now it's the same way that it will be in the last move of these last days whenever God would send the greatest prophet the Gentiles ever saw. Now, may I say it with all due respect to Peter, James, John, Paul, all the great apostolic fathers, we would not be where we are today had it not been for them and their contribution to the faith that they gave. Thank God for Wesley, thank God for Luther, thank God for the truths that Calvin had, 
uh, the Armenians, all of that. Thank God for all of that. But friend, if it was not for the last day prophet of God that come to restore the faith to where we are, God said, unless I send Elijah in the last days, I will come and smite the earth with a curse. I don't know about you, I appreciate Elijah more than I've ever had in all my life. Now I realize there's a lot of folks saying, well, they're not sure Brother Random was a prophet. Well, if they don't know whether or not he was, it's easy for me to have see how they'd be deceived in the last days. If all the vindication that God gave this man could be overlooked, they definitely will receive one who comes in his own name for sure. But now what it tells us is that Satan will always be able to impersonate us. So the nations must be in the spirit of the last days. The elect must be in the spirit of the last days. The churches must be in the spirit of the last days. Even the powers of the world must be in the spirit of the last days. And many of them will not be religious per se. But they will be under the spirit which will be one of the dominating forces of the last day which will be the spirit of destruction. Now, they will get under this anointing. They will eat. They will sleep. They will drink. They will make much of their budget. They will make much of their concentration of what they want to do under the spirit of destruction. Now, why? Because the world itself is headed for the greatest destruction this world has ever known. And before the world can be annihilated, as we would say, destroyed, there must be a spirit of destruction that will come upon the people of the earth. It would be unjust of God to destroy a peace-loving, a peace-generating, a peace-complying people. It would be unjust of God to send such destruction that we read about in the book of Revelation upon a people who love such peace. But the truth is, they don't love peace. They love war. They love confusion. Now watch this. He said they've got atomic weapons, hydrogen weapons, all kinds of things because it's the spirit of the day. I don't care how much our nuclear people try to stop Iran and Iraq and all these others from doing it. They will never do it. I don't care how hard they try. They will never do it because they're under that same spirit just like America. Now watch America and the great big powers trying to do. They're trying to use their authority and their money to try to keep a lot of these other small nations from doing it. And now they're coming back and it was not a great high take intellectual. It was not of some of our great most powerful minds in the United States that just recently found some hidden silos in China. It was not some of our great DOJ people or none of our FBI people. It was simply a man that was just studying satellite images and begun to look in regions of China that they knew nothing about, any nuclear powers, and he began to see long like trenches, like silos, and he began to move up. Then he began to notify some of the authorities, and as they looked at it, it like to scared the liver out of them because then they realized that China was farther along and had some of their ICBMs located in different places that they never knew about before. But you see, America, the great big mighty America is not going to be mighty very long. 
Come on, saints. Why? Because it is the spirit in the last days. So not only is America and Russia and the great big powerful nations, but a lot of the little rogue nations, as they call them, that they themselves will get under this. Why? It's the spirit of the day. It is the spirit of destruction. I hope you understand that a lot of the folks that leave the message, what do they do? They move out from under a peace-loving, a peace-generated gospel and then they move over into the same anointing of destruction. But who do they want to destroy? Not Tehran. They're not interested in destroying Babylon. They're not interested in destroying Rome. Who do they want to destroy? Us. But you're moving under the same spirit. It is the spirit of destruction. You see people who live, who drink, who think, who are motivated under the spirit of destruction. They are speaking their own destiny and acting out their destiny before they ever arrive to it. You see, Judas must move into that cycle that he himself is going to be destroyed. So Judas could not be destroyed as long as he was under the administration of peace. So what does Judas do? Satan, as we looked at it before, Satan puts into his mind, then it moves from his mind into his, into his heart, and then the incarnation becomes manifest and Satan entered inside of him. Now he moves into the this state of perdition in so much that he's called the son of perdition. So it's not just going to be now one, one man, one nation, but it's going to be the entire world that is going to enter into the state of perdition or destruction. Why? They are speaking of their oncoming destiny. They are going to be annihilated. Notice this, the people are in the spirit of the end time. The church is moving together under the power and the impact of the Holy Spirit and the world's running out yonder and making fun, scoffing, laughing, and they're living like the devil every day. Oh my goodness, living like the devil every day. It's the spirit in the thing. That's the thing, it's, it's the spirit. That's what we wanna look at. It's in the spirit of the thing. So it's not just that the, the Iranians are against the Iraqis and this one against that one. They don't even realize that it's the demon over Iran. Why do them people hate us so much? As I read today and Carol had read it to me, that Iran said America will bow down on their knees before them. And they was claiming a great victory. The president of Iran, you can find it. The president of Iran claiming a great victory. And that victory, you know what it was? They said it was one of the greatest victories they had ever attained down through history. And that was Joe Biden was now the president. And they said it four times, a new administration has already apologized for what was done under the past administration and that they were fixing to make changes. Oh, sure they are. They're going to start licking their boots. Well, come on, St. Sosetra, you know me, I ain't no politician. I just tell you to tell you the truth. But what is it? It's all the spirit of the world. We got one of the weakest presidents right now we've ever had in years and years. And yet it's the type that will allow such to rise up in the last days, but it will take that type to bring in the utter destruction and annihilation. Watch this again. He said, God's getting ready to take his and the devil's getting ready to take his. What a way to end this quote. Hallelujah. 
Well, God's getting ready to take his. What's he getting them under? They're not under the spirit of adultery, not under the spirit of fighting, not under the spirit of hatred. I don't know about you. I don't want to see nobody lost to you. Is there anybody that you hate? If you do, you need to get that thing out of you. We should not hate anybody. We should love the sinner and hate their sins. We should not hate people. I don't care how low they are, how wrong they are, how sinful they are. We should love everybody's soul. And the church said, that's right. Now God's getting ready to take his and the devil is getting ready to take his. I believe that the people are in the preparation of the last great destruction this world will ever know. I believe we're at the end time. You can speak to people, you could put a Billy Graham in every city in the United States that drink whiskey and smoke cigarettes, life at you and everything else just the same. They're in the spirit of the last days and God cannot sin destruction before the people are in the spirit for destruction. God never did. Listen, this is astounding. God never did destroy anything. Man always destroys himself. Now, it's been looked at for countless of years and centuries have gone by. Since John wrote in the book of Revelation, Revelation chapter 13, we're going to turn there if you'd like to, in verse 3 and read with me. It has been written since 1 John 5 uh, that people looked at it and that they thought of the Antichrist and what it would be. And John wrote and said, you've heard that the Antichrist would come. And he said, he's already here. Well, they looked and they tried to define it. Well, what is it? Of course, in this age, we were taught it was a computer. Uh, it was this or that or the other. But yet God, knowing that man in his mind and his intellect would try to look at it and try to figure it out himself. Now, this is something that I find very alarming that even some of the message people in the last few years have actually changed the direction that the prophet of God pointed us and they've started looking in the false direction and they've actually got their eye off of the enemy on to the scarecrow. Now, I told you several years ago whenever I was in Kenya, and there was a brother there in the message which was a game warden over the, the game park there that we went to. Many of you have heard of that great famous game park. And we, he took us there and was able to ride around and go out and see the animals. So whenever we come out and there was a big gigantic lioness and she was laying up on, a, on an, ant, an anthill and it wasn't a real big one, maybe, maybe this tall. And she's laying right out, and right in the open where you could see them. And, and I asked the brother, he was a message believer, and, and there was all types of little antelope, and there was all types of things that was around, and yet the lion was right there. And I asked him, I said, why, why, why is she doing that? And he said, you see, she is just the decoy. So then he had the driver to stop the Jeep. So as he stopped the Jeep and we got real quiet and he was looking, he was scanning, he was looking down through the grass, grass maybe this tall, something like that. So he began to look and he looked and his eye was very well trained and he took a pair of binoculars and then he actually began to find the rest of the line. So she was there that all of the prong and all the animal, the horns and whatever more, they would look and they'd feed and they'd look up and watch her and then they'd put their head back down and they'd raise up their head and watch her and there there was hundreds and hundreds of animals there and he said now look over there look at this certain thing and you could watch the grass as it would barely barely move now over there was the real enemy but not one of those animals was looking in that direction because they had their eye on the decoy now keep in your mind in this day 
The decoy that Satan will use is going to be communism. Oh my. The decoy that he's going to use in this day is going to be communism. It's not Iran. It's not Iraq. Oh, but Brother Donnie, they're, they're, they're this and they're saying this and others. Follow your Bible. It is going to be communism. And that will be the decoy that the churches and the religious right and the center left and so on and so on, that will be what so many religious people will keep their eyes on. That will be the decoy that will scare them all to death. And they will all be looking. And while they're all focusing on that, then the Catholics and the Protestants are getting together behind them. And they're not even noticing it because they're thinking they're going to protect their religious rights by this great ecumenical movement. Now, I'm really sorry that some of you all don't believe this tonight. You better open up your understanding. Because communism is nothing but a tool in the hands of God that one day will destroy your enemy. Watch this in Revelation 13, 3. And I saw one of his heads as it were wounded to death and his deadly wound was healed and all the world wondered after the beast and they worshiped the dragon which gave power unto the beast and they worshiped the beast. Now remember, of course, John is a prophet and all these are prophetic terms. It's never gonna be understood just by people trying to study it with their mind. But every time that you'd see a beast's power or representation of an animal, it does represent a power. So here is, I saw one of his heads. So it was a beast and he had many heads. So John sees it and there was a head. One of the heads had received a deadly wound and it was wounded so much that it seemed as if so that the head would die. But yet something happened and the deadly wound was healed. And all the world wondered after the beast and they worship the dragon which gave power unto the beast and they worship the beast saying who is like unto the beast and who is able to make war with him. Now notice one of the outstanding things that will be in the last days when the beast comes to power in that he will be able to speak and wars will stop. He will have such power over the earth that nations will brandish their swords and they will rattle their swords on TV and they'll rattle their swords on YouTube and all of that, but the beast will simply send them a message, whether by a phone call or through an ambassador and stop war. And then it will be made known after he's done this who has done it and the people of the world will marvel. And they will say there has never been anything like this since the very dawn of creation. And it will bring them to such a supposition that God has come among us on the earth and they will begin to worship him as if he is God himself. 
Now watch this in the church age book, page 193. We're breaking here into Daniel's vision. And this is actually the interpretation of the king, Nebuchadnezzar, of his dream. And uh, that Nebuchadnezzar saw in the symbols, you remember, it was a statue of a man, the image of a man, and it was a head of gold and then the silver, and then it came on down and it was metallurgical symbols and they were pure in their symbolism. So it was pure gold, pure silver, pure brass, and then it comes down to where that it is iron in the legs, and then it comes on down into the stage of the feet. And then when we see the feet, we see that it is iron, which is a pure metallurgical object that God created, and then it is mixed with clay, which also in its original state would be true to its form, but when you would mix iron and clay together, there's no way that it can adhere, because the molecular structure of each is not so designed to make it strong. But it also lets us know that the feet and the toes will run right on down until the advent of the stone which cut out of the mountain, which is the coming of the Lord Jesus. You follow me so far? Now, whenever John writes about this, he does not actually quote the prophet Daniel, but in his symbolism, he's bringing forth the same thing. Now, watch this in the church age book. Finally came the last kingdom, which was the Roman Empire, typified as the legs and feet wherein the former kingdoms were typified as pure minerals, pure gold, pure silver, and brass. The last empire was pure iron only in the legs. Now what? So here we come down from gold, we come down to silver, we come down to brass, then we come down to iron. Notice each one of them as those metals come down and they decrease in value from gold to silver to brass to iron. And then we come down when it comes down past the legs, which was the Roman Empire divided into two, which was the Eastern Empire and the Western Empire. And yet in its division, it still remains strong. They were, oh my, there was a mighty army and a great, great empire and they brought the world basically to its knees. But then as John here writes in Revelation 13, merged together with what Daniel saw, we see a bringing together to typify its weakness in the last days. Notice this, he says that the last empire was pure iron only on the legs for it came to the feet, it was a mixture of iron and clay. A mineral and soil just don't mix and produce constancy and strength. Now notice this, but not only is this so, but most amazing, this last empire, Roman, would endure in its peculiar mixed state right up until Jesus returns. So this kingdom will go right on up until Jesus returns. Now, of course, we know that the Babylonians being the the head of gold, which is Nebuchadnezzar, and then it come down to the Medo-Persians, and it comes right on down. Each of them have already gone. And even the eastern and western empire of the Roman Empire has already been gone for many, many hundreds of years. That was actually the wound on the head of the beast, which was miraculously, seemingly healed. Because it changed from imperial Rome to pagan Rome. And the church said, 
Notice this, this Roman empire of iron, iron signifying power and great destructive force against opposition was to be made two main divisions. And it's certainly for the empire literally split in two, east and west. Both were very powerful, crushing all before them. So notice in their strength, as long as they were still consistent, metallurgically speaking, by the iron, they was all, they was, they was, you couldn't defeat them. No matter who come against them, they were so trained as one army, as one man, they were just absolutely a terror to try to deal with. But God signifying they themselves must be destroyed. So what would happen that would destroy them? By their own way by which they divide and conquer. You see, it is the spirit of Romanism that moves in the avenue of divide and conquer. I hope you understand that that spirit comes out of hell. That is the very same thing that is the spirit of organization. And I hate to say it, but that same spirit is in this message. So whenever you see a preacher, when you see whoever going in trying to divide a church, trying to divide a family, trying to divide the message and how they do it, they divide it and then they conquer. So they won't conquer everybody, but they will start by division and then they'll get a following after themselves. So what is it? Spirit of Rome. Again, I hate to say it, but I might as well say it, friends. There's a lot of message preachers that have worked under that spirit down through the decades that the message has been on the earth. Can anybody here say amen to that? That's exactly what happens. Now, notice then, because it signifies strength and weakness by the iron and the clay. Now, how peculiar that this would be if we would be able to see this in a natural image. That he says, but as the glory and power of all empires fall, so this empire began to fall also, this thus Rome fell. Pagan imperial Rome was no longer iron. She crumbled. She was wounded to death. And it seemed almost impossible, but the word of God cannot fail. Rome could not now rule. It was all over. So thought the world, but how wrong the world was for that head, Rome, though wounded, was not wounded unto death. Now notice he quotes, he quotes from the, the Woost translation of Revelation 13, 3. And one of his heads appeared to have been mortally wounded, the throat having been slashed, and this death stroke was healed. And the whole earth followed after the wild beast in amazement. Now we go to page 198. You recall that in Revelation 13, 3 it says, as I saw one of the heads as it were wounded to death and his deadly wound was healed and all the world wondered after the beast. This is not communism. This is not socialism. Some of you are scared to death of AOC. What can AOC do? She can't do no more than what the word of God allows her to do. Some of you are scared to death because the Democrats have got the White House and they've got Congress and they've got Senate. Friends, they are only puppets. They can only go as far as God will allow them to go on their chain. You may have a pit bull that has so many pounds of pressure in his dog and he can do this and that and the other. If you've got a log chain on that dog's neck and I know where that chain ends, I'm as safe as I can be. He may be slobbered and he may be rabid and he may be jumping up and down, but I can stand right there and go, why? Because I 
know where he's held. And let me tell you tonight, the devil cannot do one thing to you and I without Almighty God allowing him to do so. If God allows him to shut up our church, so be it. If they take our new place over there before we ever get to have one service, fine with me. If the Lord God allows it, we're ready to fly away anyhow. We ain't gonna need no church. We ain't gonna need no automobiles. They can have the whole thing. Praise be to God. Why? We know God has got the devil on a chain as it were and he can only get so close and he'll only be as powerful as you and I will let him be anyhow. Oh my. Notice and we know that the wounded head was the pagan Roman Empire. That great political world power. This head rose again as the Roman Catholic spiritual empire. Died as imperial, seeing that the throat was cut, blood was oozing out of the body, it was gone, but under the administration of Constantine, who adapted Christianity, so-called, as the state religion. You know who founded most of the holy sites in Israel? The Constantine's mother. She went there on a pilgrimage. She's the one and others who picked where Calvary was and where this was and that was and that was. That's why you got two sites for Calvary. That's why you've got two, three sites for the birth of Jesus. That's why you've got one site that seems more scriptural than the other. Why? The church picked this site and the early Christians didn't acknowledge it. It's not really that it makes any difference anyway. We don't go there to worship shrines and some type of idols. Is that right? But what did they do? So see, his mother went there and said, well, this is where he was born. And naturally, they got a great, big, gigantic church built over the top of it. Well, this is where he died. And then you've got Gordon's Calvary on the outside of the city walls, which more than likely was probably the right one. And it looks like actually the face of a skull. So it's a hill. It's a crevice there. And and you've got the, the garden tomb on the outside. But the church wouldn't accept that. That sounds about right, don't it? So the church picked them a spot on the inside of the city walls and they built up this great big so-and-so and that and the other. And then what did they do? They went down as an imperial power and they did not raise with an emperor, but they raised with a yanimo, yanimo, yanimo. And if he tells his Catholic followers, do not take the Johnson and Johnson COVID-19 vaccine because it has aborted fetal cells in it. Oh, you didn't know the Catholic Church had given them that warning, huh? They've told their people, do not take that one because it's immoral. Who do you figure they'll listen to, Biden or the Papa? Praise the Lord. Now, notice this. Now, watch this carefully. What did political pagan Rome do that was the basis of her success? She divided and conquered. That was the seed of Rome. Divide 
and conquer. Look, friends, in the message. Look at every kingdom builder that's come since Brother Branham was here and is gone and they follow this same thing. They go in and act like they believe the message forever so long and then when they get a following, they go to dividing among the preachers and dividing among the laity and then they cut out their piece of the pie and they pull it out and divide and conquer and then they've got their own little cult. What is it? Seeds of the Roman Catholic Church. And yet they'll preach against Romanism, they'll preach against Catholicism, and ain't nothing but a spiritual whore themselves. Why? They're not using the techniques of the apostles, but the seed of Rome divide and conquer. Oh my, her iron teeth tore and devoured. Whom she tore and devoured could not rise again as when she destroyed Carthage and sold her to salt. The same iron seed, notice, where's the iron? In the seed. Where's the iron? In the seed. Remained in her when she arose as the false church. And her policy has remained the same. Divide and conquer. That is Nicolaitanism. And God sort of don't like it. God really, it's not one of his favorite things, but God's okay. God's not okay with it. God hates it. Any true child of God full of the Holy Ghost hates it. Whether it's in the Catholic Church, the Baptist Church, or our church. Any true seed of God hates Nicolaitanism if it comes in the form of quotes or in the form of pictures of Brother Branham or whatever more. The seed of God will see right through the thing. Oh my. Notice this in the Thyatira church age. Page 236 in Revelation 14, the beast that was wounded unto death, but lived again as imperial pagan Rome that fell to the onslaught of the barbarians and thereby lost her temporal power. But she regained it in papal Rome. Do you see it? The nation that ruled by crushing all, which became the strongest empire ever known. Notice this now. The strongest empire ever known was finally wounded to death. Her power was gone physically as to control by armies. By armies. But under Constantine, she came back to life. Oh God. For papal Rome was infiltrated, has infiltrated the whole world and her power is absolute. She uses kings and merchants. I'm sure many of you have seen the articles and things that's been passed around during the time of COVID and how the Pope wants to become more involved in the commerce of the world. Oh, how nice. Now, I wonder what business he's got with doing that. It is his business. Wants to become more involved so everything can be more equally distributed among the poor. Oh, they're such an example of that, aren't they? My, what an example of distributing the wealth. They distribute it all in their church. <laughs> well, do you want to follow that example? Oh, wow. Free, brother. 
Oh, they're such an example of distributing the wealth, aren't they? And they had their great, big, beautiful cathedrals. And Brother Darrell was just out in Arizona and sent me some pictures of, of one that was built back in the 1700s, something like that, Brother, Brother Darrell. I've been in Mexico City and seen their gigantic structures there and the gold here and the gold there and their poor people coming up to their sincere as they could be. You've heard me tell it before that us there we went up to this mountain where there's some saint was there and them crawling up through there on their knees, bare knees women and their knees bleeding, crawling up through there to do some kind of penance. Some little Mexican woman come up with candles in her hand going to the altar to worship. Nearly caught Carol's hair on fire. She was so coming up crying and coming to God, coming to God and here they were, barely had enough money to even buy food for their babies and all that sort of thing. They're going to tell us how to operate commerce. They're going to get in control so they can control it all. Why? It's the spirit the Catholic Church must be under. Now I grant you friend there's many Catholics no doubt that don't even see their place in prophecy. There's probably Catholics in Johnson City and around these areas. They are totally ignorant to this place in prophecy. But if there's elect in there they will hear the voice of Revelation 18 that said come out of her my people and be not partakers of their sin. Hallelujah. And if we hear the voice of God also calling us out of spiritual Catholicism around the message under the hour under this man and that man and that move. I refuse to be under the headship of any man. I refuse to be under the denominational control of any man. I don't care who he is. The very minute we take man to be our leader instead of the Holy Ghost the prophet of God said we've rejected Christ the word when we do it. Amen. Oh my. She uses kings and merchants. Don't you understand why the Muslims hate Christians? Notice them whenever you read any of their ancient writings. Even to this day, many of their faithful followers, they can't stand Christianity. Not because they know anything about you, but they go back to what? The times when Rome was sending them forth, the knights. And what did they have on their shields? Crosses. And they called them Christians? They weren't Christians, they were butchers. Well, come on now, don't get quiet on me. They were acting out the trueness of what they really were. They kill Muslims by the thousands. Sure, Muslims have killed their, their fair share, but they always want to go back. The Muslims always want to go back to that. That's what they know is Christianity. That ain't Bible Christianity to us. Bible Christianity is Peter, James, Paul, Bartholomew. You don't see Paul on the top of a white horse, do you, with some sword with a cross painted on some people cut, cutting people's heads off. That ain't what the true church was all about. But that's what they identify as the church. No wonder they hate it. Notice she uses kings and merchants and in her deadly religious and financial strengths, she is governing as the goddess of this present age. Isn't this? She is the dragon that stood waiting to devour the man-child, which was the man-child of Revelation 12. Remember the woman that was pregnant with a son? 
shall the moon, the stars, and all that. Remember what it was? And then the child was who? Jesus. Who was standing there? The dragon, which was Satan. Notice in the prophet ties it right back to Rome. Don't you understand where Romanism comes from? The dragon. Oh, glory. I'm so glad our church ain't dragon oriented. Praise God. She is also the dragon that stood waiting to devour the man child. Herod tried to kill the Lord Jesus and failed. Later, Jesus was crucified by Roman soldiers, but now is caught up to the throne. Now, can you imagine the Jews of that day? What did they do? They got under the spirit of Romanism, and they hated them. Them Jews hated Rome. And they worked themselves right under the spirit of destruction. They lied. They brought false accusation against the Lord Jesus. Don't you see they were forerunning the coming of the Antichrist in the last days? Showing that what the religious people would do in the last days, they would so hate the truth. They would so hate the 144,000. They will side with Romanism again. The majority of the Jews of the world will side with the Catholic Church against the 144,000. Notice Revelation 13, 5, and there was given unto him, oh my goodness, given unto him a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies. And power was given unto him to continue 40 and two months, three and a half years. And he opened his mouth and blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle and them that dwell in heaven. Notice this false prophet. Satan's got enough sense to impersonate God. So if God's main mechanism of truth is a tape player, I wonder why Satan ain't gonna use one in the tribulation. But what's he gonna use? A human being that can talk. Well, come on, saints. He's gonna use a human being that has a mouse, not a computer. Oh my, people scared to death of the chips and you know all the conspiracy theories. My goodness, if you take the vaccine, they're gonna inject this little small something inside of you and they're gonna track you around the world. They do that by your cell phone, knucklehead. (laughs) They don't need to put no chip under your skin. Some of you are married to your iPhone and some of the rest of you are married to your droid. You're so married to that thing, you won't hardly even part with it. You love it more than you do your husband or your wife. Well, come on, somebody. They track you everywhere you go. They know what you're saying. Don't sit there and look at me with goo-goo eyes. You know as well as I do. Many of you have told me that you've talked about this or that or the other, and the next time you open up a web browser on your phone, it will pull up what you was talking about, an advertisement. They're already spying on you. They're already listening to you. So if they're listening tonight, let me tell them, we believe in the baptism of the Holy Ghost. We believe in Acts 238 baptism. We believe that God said a prophet by Malachi 4 and we believe we're fixing to leave this world and you all can have it. (laughs) 
Now, if I get an advertisement on that after church, I'm going to marvel. Notice this in the Thyatiron church age. And there was given unto him a mouse. Oh, friends, how I appreciate a prophet of God. You know, I can't keep from it. I just feel so sorry for folks, whether they're in the message or out of the message or straddling the fence. And they think that by them reading their Bible, they don't need a prophet. It amazes me sometimes the more some of these message preachers think they know about their Bible, the more they think how dumb Brother Branham was. Well, I beg to differ with you. I think it's how dumb you are. I would like to remind the ministry in the message. Not only was the laity deceived, we were. Not only was the laity wretched, blind, naked, miserable, so was the preachers. There ain't a preacher in this message before we come to this truth. We was blind, we was wretched, we was miserable, we was naked. God forbid that now we would come to the very message that has delivered us from such and think we know more than the man of God that God used to bring us out. It makes no sense, friend. Oh, but Brother Donnie, it's just because you're ignorant and I hope and pray to God I stay ignorant then. I hope I stay stupid. If that's what you've got to do when you get bigger than the man that God used to bring you out, you're stupid. You're missing something. Remember, friends, a prophet of God is not another commentator. The message of the hour is not another commentary. A prophet of God is a divine interpreter of the written word. Notice this, it was given unto him a mouth to speak great things, blasphemy. Power was given unto him to continue 42 months. He opened his mouth and blasphemed God. Now let's run that scripture to the evening light. Teaching for doctrine the commandments of men. Okay, now we quoted the scripture. None of us still knew what it meant. But God wanted us to know what it meant. So what does it mean to blaspheme God? Teaching for doctrine the commandments of men. Heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure, having a form of godliness, denying the power thereof, and blasphemed his name. Took Father, Son, and Holy Ghost instead of Lord Jesus Christ. This is why we needed a prophet to be able to help us to see what the Bible said, not contradict the Bible, not go contrary to the Bible, but to make the Bible more real. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Took Father, Son, and Holy Ghost and said, Lord Jesus Christ, and his tabernacle and them that dwelled in heaven. Notice this. And it was given to him to make war against the saints. There comes the persecution rising. And to overcome them, power was given to him over all kindreds, tongue, and nation. And all them that dwell on the earth shall worship him whose names were not written. Oh my. In the book of the life of the Lamb, slain from the foundation of the world. Oh, 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 oh. Glory, 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 glory. Foundation of the 
of the world. Our names, if they was ever on the book, was put back there. Jesus said, no man can come to me except my father draws him first and all the father hath given me will come to me. My sheep hear my voice. And then he says, this is his food. And a stranger, then he said, well, I just joined the church. I'm as good as you. That ain't sheep food. Well, I go to Happy Valley. That ain't sheep food. I play a tape. That ain't sheep food. You got to be born again. Then play the tape. Well, I ain't saying don't play tape, but I'm saying it won't do you a whole lot of good to get the Holy Ghost. That ain't sheep food. Here's sheep food sitting together in the heavenly places in Christ. Oh, he's so wonderful, isn't he? Notice this in the fourth seal. I saw one of his heads as it was wounded unto death and his deadly wound was healed. And all the world wondered after the beast. You just watch. Don't you never. How can I emphasize it to you message folks that you're so terrified of communism and socialism when you've got a direct word to you that said don't never. Watch communism. It's nothing. Some of you looked at me funny the other, just a little while back when I said this. Poor little things. You didn't know I was quoting a quote, did you? It's nothing but a tool playing. <laughs> yeah. Playing. God needed a few toys. So he decided to use communism. (laughs) Playing in the hands of God to help you someday. Revenge the blood. And they worshiped the dragon who was a dragon, Satan. That's right, the red dragon, which gave power under the beast. Where did he get his power? And they worshiped the beast saying, who is like unto the beast? Who is able to make war? And there was given unto him a mouth speaking great things of blasphemy. And power was given him to continue 40 and two months. And he opened his mouth and blasphemy against God. There you are, see. To blaspheme his name. This is his blasphemy. Give him a title. Amen. I wonder how many of us good little saints that love the Lord Jesus tonight with all of our hearts used to wear that blasphemous name. When we was baptized in the titles of Father, Son, Holy Ghost. Praise God. The evening light has come. Amen. There you are. Blaspheme his name. Give him a title. His tabernacle. Which is the Holy Spirit's dwelling place to make it a place in Rome. So they, they, they blaspheme his tabernacle, which is what? The Holy Spirit's dwelling place, which is not Happy Valley Church of Jesus Christ, the building. It is the church. So they blaspheme his tabernacle, which is the Holy Spirit's dwelling place. Praise be to God. And they call what? Well, the Holy See, the Holy See, vicarious filiadia. Oh yes, there he is, written on his great gold saying, I saw it today, a picture of it today, with the Roman numerals written inside of there, the number of a man, vicarious filiadia. And you put the Roman numerals right under it, what number do you get? Three, four, five, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, six, six, six. The number of a man. What does it mean whenever it's put out in Latin? 
in the place of the Son of God. So they blaspheme his name. They blaspheme his church. They blaspheme his saints. And then you're worried about AOC. Go through Dairy Queen, get you a Sunday, and don't worry about her. We say, I don't like Sundays. Well, then get me a gift card and I'll get one tomorrow. Don't even wait that, waste that good ice cream. My Notice this. He says, oh my. Blight them that dwell in heaven, blaspheme them. Now notice, friends, we would never know this was it not for a prophet of God. And them that dwell in heaven, it blasphemed them by saying they were intercessors. So it blasphemed his name, blasphemed his tabernacle, the body, and it blasphemed the saints that it went on by making Peter an intercessor, Andrew an intercessor, Joseph, Mary, on and on and on and on it goes. And every time they pray to St. Andrew for protection, and they pray to St. Cecilia for this and that and the other, and they are calling the name of some of God's children, they are blaspheming them. Well, it ain't too much different for those who baptize in the name of William Marion Branham. And for those who say they talked to Brother Branham and have for years, you're practicing witchcraft. Oh my, Lord Jesus. I've been good knowing y'all, but I'll say some nice words over me when you roll me up here in a box, okay? <laughs> Notice this in verse seven. It was given unto him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And power was given him over all kindreds and tongues and nations. This is how he will do it. God will allow him to do so. Power was given to him. Notice in the fourth seal, it was given unto him to make war with the saints, and he did, and to overcome them. He did. Burned them to the stake, fed them to the lions, killed them any way he could. Power was given him over all kindreds and tongues and nations. It never did become that way in Rome until pagan Rome was converted into papal Rome. And the Catholic power spread the world made the universal Catholic church and all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him whose names are not written in the book. Touch not my oil and wine. Praise God. And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Now watch. We move to another power. Revelation 13, 11. And I beheld another beast coming up out of the earth. Now this other one that John saw, he saw this other beast coming up out of sickness, multitudes of water, just coming up right up out of the oceans and just volumes and volumes of water. And of course the water was multitudes of people. But this power, this beast comes up 
like in a barren land. I beheld another beast coming up out of the earth. And he had two horns like a lamb. And he spake as a dragon. Oh my. Now they had two little bitty horns. Now you know how loving a lamb is. Oh my, one of the neatest little baby animals. And he spake as a lamb. But then what's happened to him? He comes up and he had two horns like a lamb and he spake as a dragon. In Revelation 13, the prophet said, when this lamb came up, he came up out of earth. No people. United States. You can imagine now John on the Isle of Patmos. And here as he looks out in the vision, maybe he looked out into the plains of North Dakota, South Dakota, maybe Oklahoma, who knows exactly where it was. And all he sees is just the vastness of land. And remember, there was the, the Apaches here and the Lakota here and the, the Cherokee over here and the, the Blackfeet and all them. But my, there would be miles and miles and miles apart. So John looks and when he sees up out of the, the, the plains, we'll say, out of the coverage of land rises up this animal. And he looks at him and John said, what kind of animal is that? I've never, I've never seen an animal like that. Well, John wasn't familiar with him. So he just called him a beast and he said, he just got two horns. John didn't know what to call him. We do. A buffalo. John saw an American buffalo, but he didn't know what to call him. But he said, sort of look like a lamb, but he, but he don't look like a lamb either. Now watch this. Oh my. Revelation 13, the prophet said, whenever this lamb came up, he came up out of the earth. No people in the United States. But then after he had two little horns, civil and ecclesiastical powers. Then he received power and spoke like the dragon did before him. Oh. Wow, isn't that amazing? How many lamb preachers have we seen raise up? And Oh my, they're so gentle and so loving and they just love this message with all their heart. Oh my. And then all of a sudden, phew, they change. And then you see them move into an administration. They go defying the prophet of God. They go saying, oh, so you say, what in the world? Transformation just like this beast here. It comes from just a little, you know, a little weak, something, another, and it's infancy and it's real young. And then all of a sudden it starts speaking like a fire breathing dragon. Amen. Oh my. Then he received power. Power. Let me tell you something, friend. Receiving power is a good thing. Fits the power of the Holy Ghost. Lots of folks receive power. It ain't a good thing. It's a devil. And spoke like the dragon did before him. Now you just got to mark it down. We are coming into a religious persecution with the same things they did in pagan Rome many years ago for its. Now what is it? Setting upon a beast of power. And I beheld another beast coming up out of the earth, not out of water, but out of the earth. 
Then the thickness of multitudes of people is water. Then this is where there was no people, the United States. It had two horns like a lamb. Two horns like a lamb, not a lamb. What is it? Our American buffalo. Now search all you want to. Cook, Dake, Roberson, Smith, any of the commentators you want. <laughs> you ain't gonna find this. That's why we needed a prophet, not a commentator. Irish taters is good. Sweet taters is good. I didn't need another tater. I needed a prophet. Now you can debate with him, argue with him all you want to. While you're debating, I'm going to go ahead and feed on the body word and I'm going to be changed. Then you can debate all you want to whether or not it was true. Notice this. Oh my. See, there he is. Two horns like a lamb. But what did he do? He had freedom of religion first. He acted like a lamb. He spoke like a lamb. But remember, he never did become an old ram. He was a lamb. This country is only 150 years old, you know, just a lamb. And he spoke like a dragon. He exercised all the power the first beast had before him, the red dragon, caused all that was on the earth to dwell on the earth to worship the beast whose deadly wound was healed. This United States will come to a time that the church and state will unite together and Protestant and Catholic will throw their things together. And this is the reason to fight communism. Communist. Don't you understand the setting around us? Look at, look at it. Look at it. Our people are scared to death. Oh Lord, it's communism here. It's communism there. You're looking at the wrong line. You're looking at her laying there on that hand, on that hand, man. She is not going to move a muscle. It's them ones in the bushes. Oh my, it's exactly playing in the hands, playing in the hands of what God said right here. And you Protestants laying there sound asleep, reading a love story magazine instead of your Bible. Praise the Lord Jesus. Out gadding around somewhere to some kind of a party instead of a prayer meeting somewhere fussing at one another about little old petty things that don't matter that much. Brother Ram snaps his fingers. You ought to be on your knees somewhere if you knew what eternity meant. We've got all of our updates and all of our apps so we can have an eye on what AOC's saying and what's, what's Biden doing. And friend, are you saying, Brother Donnie, you're not concerned? Of course I'm concerned. But let me be honest with you. I'm more concerned about a lot of message folks than I am Joe Biden. I'm more confirmed, concerned about a lot of message folks in the state there yet than I am a lot of the stuff going up there to what else ain't nothing much I can change up there. But I might be able to change a child of God. I might be able to change somebody that's got a cold walk on God. I ain't gonna have no effect on the White House and you ain't neither. So you'd be better off to pray for one another, pray for your children, pray for your brothers, pray for your sisters. Revelation 13 said this nation wouldn't live very long. Anyhow, you know that. The little lamb raised up and never did come a ram. 
Like the rest of them, it died in its youth. That's right. When the ecclesiastical power and civil powers met together with those two little horns of the ram, then united church and state. And we're almost doing it right now. Uh-huh. Almost doing it right now. It just depends on which way the wave blows when they have another election. Notice this date, 7-24-1960. This is just a few months before America has an election. And she will vote in John Fitzgerald Kennedy, the first ever Catholic president. We haven't had one since until now. Well, hallelujah. Oh my, the majority of our justices on the Supreme Court are what face? Muslim? Protestant? Mormon? Catholic? Well, come on, children, don't sit there and look at me. And now, 60 years later, we got another Catholic president. And you're scared of AOC. Oh, Brother Don, I was just hope, so hoping. Oh, I just wanted Trump to be able to do this and that and the other. Friends, if it was not the will of God, look, I, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm like you. I believe no doubt there's a lot of crooked stuff going on. And I think one of the difference between the Republicans and the Democrats, the Democrats have been caught now a couple of times doing this. And probably the Republicans just ain't been caught yet. Because the prophet of God said Satan controls both sides. Now some of you flat old Republicans, you don't want to hear that, but he also said that as well. And don't sell your soul out to Republican or Democrat. Sell your soul out to Jesus Christ. Because politics is of the devil. That's right. There's demons on both sides and there's probably good people on both sides. But I'm glad I voted once. I voted for Jesus Christ and God voted for me and the devil voted against me. It depends on which way I cast my vote. I cast my vote for Jesus. I cast my, oh, hallelujah, for the word of God for the hour. Let's stand together and we'll read one more. Watch this in Jezebel religion. This is now 1961. Then we find this country came up as a free country, had a lamb, which means the lamb of God. But after a while, this same system that we have, and notice this is now, three months into the new administration. The same system that we have spoke like the dragon and exercised all the power the dragon had before him. Second seal of America is number 13 and a woman. Strange, it appears in the 13th chapter of Revelation. We started out with 13 stripes in the flag, 13 stars, everything 13. Remember when the Catholic Pope came over, 13 steps going up, serve communion to 13, 13, 13, 13, blackouts everywhere, he said. 13, 13 all the way. Everything woman, woman, woman all the way down. And it'll finally end up, I predicted, a woman will control her. Remember, that was 30 years ago I said it, and the seven things I predicted, five of them's done come to pass, and they've got the man right there now to bring her in. What man was that? JFK. And you voted it in through your politics. Praise the Lord. Well, praise the Lord. But then who shall I vote for? Vote for Jesus, you're right every time. You ain't never going to be wrong doing that. 
Sure, you got your politics, you do whatever you want to do, that's entirely up to you, but friends, don't, don't fuss and argue and debate and get so all tore, oh, I'm trying to find a, a conservative news source. Oh, I've lost confidence in this one. Let me tell you the best news source that I've found. It's the Word of God. That way they're not leaning to the left or to the right, they're leaning up this way. They're gonna pull you. Oh, I ain't wanting to go left, I ain't wanting to go right, I'm wanting to go up this way. That's the direction I'm wanting to go. That's the most reliable news source you can have on your phone. And some of y'all, this, this one and that one and that one. How many, how many of you even read your Bible every day? How many of you got all these smart apps on your phone? Do you ever take time to read your Bible on your smartphone? Do you take time to read the message of the hour or you spend more time reading this and reading that and the other and then you get sidelined with this man and that man and getting your eyes off of your real enemy? Don't get your eyes off of this enemy. You see what it'll do? It will take over the majority of Americans. It'll scare them to death and they will be afraid they're gonna lose their religious rights. Oh, we're going to lose our rights to preach. We're going to lose our rights, so we better join. The prophet said they would think it better to work under that power than to lose all their rights, not knowing that when they take it, they've accepted the mark of the beast. You see, while it's in her, there's still mercy. But when it goes out of her into him, grace is over. As long as the grace and the mercy and the blood of God is in her, Look at the other side. In her, still here, there's mercy. But when it goes out of her and pulls her to him, it's finished. Don't you see Satan only impersonates what he sees God doing? Come out of her, my people. That's what that angel flew up through heaven and declared. Come out of her, my people. Be you separate. Praise God. Thank God. Well, while the world's under the hydrogen power and the nuclear power, this power and that power, I've got to make a confession tonight. I'm under the influence of a power too. It's a camel. Not the kind you put between your fingers, neither. It's a camel. Glory to God. And I water it. And I pour water and give praise when I feel like it and when I don't. My bucket may be small. If I've got to make 200 trips to the well, I'm going to do it. Now, maybe some of y'all feel like you've got a 175-gallon drum and you can make one trip. Well, the Lord must give me a small container. He apparently wanted to hear my voice more frequently than he did yours because he gave me just this little small thing so I keep going back and forth to the well, just a gallon size, so I'll go back, you know, 10, 10 camels, uh, 200 gallons at a time, 10 times 20 is what? 200. So you make 200 trips back and forth, water and every one. But here she is, little old Rebecca, she's absolutely slap wore out. She come back and I mean, she's sweating. She, glory, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Then he puts the gift on her. <laughs> oh, praise be to God. Oh, praise be to God. Then he leads her up and he gives her the matan. And then he leads her on up and gives her the mohar. Oh, be to God. She's entering further and further into the covenant till she walks out of there a 16-year-old beautiful young woman under the influence of the same call that Abraham had. She walked out of the pages of a little old historical something of she'd have married a local boy, she would have been, been forgotten in history. She'd have never amounted to nothing. But when she said, I will go, she stepped out of a little bitty pedigree that would have been desolate in no time. She walked right into the pages of God's own proclamation. Hallelujah! 
Hallelujah. Isn't it amazing how the women played such a great foresight in the very plan of God? I've been listening to the prophet of God in Wadah Bethlehem in 1963. He said, you notice them women? He said, it was them women, not the men. Them grandmothers, them women. What was it? He said, God foreshadowing the church. Oh, he said, I'm standing in a place today. I wonder what soldiers will come. I heard him yesterday, Brother Dale. I was out there, I said, glory to God, Lord, where's my sword at? He said, I wonder you Gentile warriors, will you draw your swords and come stand by my side? And let's give Jesus a fresh drink of Pentecostal water. <laughs> Lord God, I know you've heard that, Brother Darrell, but I'll tell you, when I heard it, I've been listening to it again this week, over and over several times during the day, and every time I heard it, it was like something down inside of me. Although, praise God, I wish I was about 25 instead of 65. Oh my, as a young man hearing that call, Daddy, it was as if though I could hear him calling me person, Carol, draw your sword, and what he say, come and stand by my side them soldiers he said they knew David was anointed he was coming into power they thought they fought 15 miles one way and got that bucket of water and fought 15 miles back why because their king said I wish I had a drink out of the wells of Bethlehem and he said our Lord Jesus wants a fresh drink of Pentecostal water not a church experience not a handshake well not I believe God sent a prophet the devil believes the same thing Jesus wants a fresh Pentecostal experience. Are we willing to draw our swords and fight through what? Baptist, Methodist, don't you get that in your mind? They're not the ones trying to stop us. It's message theologians that don't want the real power of Pentecost in the church again. Oh, you're a Pentecostal if you believe that out of my way. Out of my way or I'll cut your head off. Hallelujah, I wanna bring my Jesus, not a creed, not some dogma but a son or daughter of God that's filled with the Holy Ghost. Can I bring a young person here tonight to the Lord Jesus and may the power of Pentecost so come out of your being that you minister to Jesus. A fresh drink, another one got born again. Another one got born again. Don't you understand? That's his drink. That's what ministers to him. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, Lord Jesus. Everybody's getting under the influence of a power, a spirit. Oh, Father God, help us to be under the influence of the Holy Ghost. Lord, that'll lead us and guide us. It'll teach us when to draw our sword. It'll teach us when to sheath it. It'll teach us to hate the things you hate and love the things you love. It's such a hard thing many times. Lord, one of the brothers today posted a quote where Brother Branham had said that he stood up for the wrong man and he got in trouble with you because he did it. I read it years ago and it's just Carol. I wanted to find that and so a brother posted it today, one of the ministers. Brother Branham said he stood up for the wrong man and he got in trouble. But he said he made it right. It was all clear. And I thought, oh my. To be able to stand for you and even stand for the right people. 
and for the right thing. And yet you spoke about some of your saints in the book of Revelation, how that they hated the deeds of the Nicolaitans. And then you said amen to what they hated. And you said, which thing I also hate. So they hated it because it come from you. But you amen their stand. Glory to God. Help us, Lord Jesus, to love what you love and hate what you hate. Stand against those things that you stand against. Accept those things you accept. What a balance it is for us, Father. Lord, I'm sure we could all say tonight, we've not always had the right concept of that. Forgive us, Lord Jesus. Help us, Lord. Oh, Lord God, help me, Father God. I don't have the strength I did when I was a younger man. I may not have the stamina. Lord, here I am in the sixth section of my decades of life. In the middle of that one. How many more years do I have? I don't know. But how many more I've got? I want to draw my sword and fight to the death. Help me, Lord Jesus. That age, it may slow down my memory. It may slow down my stamina. But may it never take my zeal to stand for you, Lord God. Hallelujah. Help each one of us here tonight, Father. Oh, we love you, Lord. We love you. Praise God. May we water the camels tonight, Father. That precious Holy Spirit that's going to carry us back home. Oh, Lord. May the people here understand one reason why I want them to worship so much. I may wonder, why does he want us to do that? Help them to see why. We want to tarry a little bit after the word's over. Not just leave immediately and go home. Go eat something. But stay here and worship. We're watering that power. Praise God. Oh, Jesus, we worship you tonight, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for opening our eyes to these things, Lord God. I know, Lord, further we go, the more educated the message people become, the less and the less they rely on your prophet's message. They'll become more and more intellectual. They'll become more Bible scholars. I didn't mean it derogatory a while ago in saying it, Lord, but I've seen it in my years of ministry that many times the more preachers think they know about the Bible, the less they think they need the message. And then they go to questioning the prophet himself. The very message that brought them out and set them free. And it reminds me of what you told the children of Israel. In Ezekiel 16, how you found them setting. And it was the time of love, you said. You found them covered in their blood. Yet you shod their feet. You give them raiment. You give them gold and silver. Then after they become a nation, you said they sat like a harlot. You said normally... Men would pay a harlot for their hire. But Israel paid men to come into her. What a low degraded state. They took your gold, your silver. God help me never to do that. Help me never to take this message that you've given me and turn it into my means to become a platform to launch me into something. Help me God. Help me to always stay dependent. 
I know I'm looked down on. Oh, I know some of my younger brothers look at me and pull Donnie. He's just so ignorant. He's just a dumb Kentucky boy. May I always stay dumb if that's what they think dumb is. But I realize I need you every hour. I can't preach without you. I can't put a sermon together without you, Lord. I've preached most of my life. But God, may I never think that I know how to preach without the Holy Ghost. May we never think we know how to have church at Happy Valley without you showing up. Because if you don't, you're talking about a dead church. Ain't nothing no deader than a message church. We need you, Jesus. I mean, he needs him tonight. Would you just tell him? Just let him know how you feel. I need you, Jesus. I can't even walk without you holding my hand. I can't preach without you holding my hand. I can't, I can't sing anointed without you helping me. Lord, I can't write songs. I can't, I can't study. I can't be a housewife. I can't be a farmer without you anointing me to do so, Lord. Can we acknowledge our dependence on him tonight, friends? Remember several years ago that Brother Darrell on 4th of July, he preached about independence, but he preached about the brides not celebrating independence, but dependence. Dependence on God. But America rejoices not in her freedom from England, but of her freedom from God. They're happy because they don't need God no more. They won't be happy when these scriptures go to being fulfilled. Oh, but I need him. What about you? Hey, can we sing that song again that we sing the other day? I can't even walk without you holding my hand. Would you renew your vows to him tonight? Those of you that are bride, and you've entered into that marital contract with the Lord Jesus, why don't you just whisper to him and let him know, Lord, I can't sing without you. I can't preach without you. I can't really pray without you. I can't play the drums right without you. I can't play the lead guitar, the bass guitar. I can't even walk without you, Lord God. Can we sing it together? Don't let it just be a song. Let it be the way you feel in your heart. Lord, I can't I can't walk, Lord, without you holding, without you holding my hand. The mountains too high, they're too high. The valley's way too wide. Count on my knees, Lord. I've Church. Hallelujah. Amen. Everybody together with all your heart now.
Thank you, Jesus. Now listen what we thought. Number one. I thought number one would surely, would surely be me. I thought I
tonight what the Lord has done the last time Erica had her blood work done her kidney function was down quite a bit down to about 36 37 percent something like that her kidney function I remember many many years ago when we first come here her kidney function was down to about 30 percent was it Carol something like that we Carol and I went to UT and they started doing all kinds of tests on Carol and I to see which one would be a donor for our daughter but I had friends in high places brothers and sisters around the world and they began to pray and we was going to a doctor there that was you know he's kind of a little bit cocky you know as I say and he you know I told him we were Christians and he was totally convinced God had answered our prayers by sending us to him so they tried this and that and the other and I love it when God makes them testify that they didn't do anything well, we kept going there and went there for years. And needless to say, after they'd done the scan, something happened. And the doctor didn't have no scientific explanation. But he did tell us his mama was a praying woman. So he finally had to bend a little bit and say, well, apparently God must have moved. Well, wasn't no apparent to it. That same God is right here tonight. You believe with us. Lord Jesus, we rejoice and what you have already done. Father, we know that this kidney thing has been an ongoing thing most of her life. Even when she was little and we didn't know why she wouldn't eat and why she wouldn't drink. and We tried to encourage her to eat and threaten her and all sorts of things. And then we found out one day what it was. Erica eat, Erica drink. But we found out there was a problem. And when they were so frightening to think that me or Carol one would have to be the donor. Oh, but Jesus, you moved. And we've seen you do it so many times. When she was expecting her first babies and the doctor said she would probably have to go on dialysis. No doubt that her kidney function was go down. But instead, you raised it the highest it had been in her entire life. As far as we knew. After she delivered her first set of babies and the doctor said, don't you get pregnant again. Don't do it. Don't do it. And they did it anyhow. And again, Lord, they told her it would go down. Once again, you raised it right up to that level. Lord God, in the name of Jesus, you told us, decree a thing and I'll bring it to pass. I speak your word over tonight, Father, in the name of Jesus. May the presence of God move on her kidneys now, Lord. In Jesus' name, may the function raise. You see how it makes her feel worn out, exhausted, tired. Lord, her kidneys doing everything they can do. Her kidneys need a divine touch tonight. In the name of Jesus, I speak your word over her, Father. Touch her, Lord, I pray. 
Well, I'm praying for her, Lord. I pray for Liz, my other part of my flesh and blood. In the name of Jesus, touch her voice, Lord. I decree it. We'll hear her sing again, anointed by the presence of God. Lord, not only these two, my daughters, but my sheep standing here tonight that may have other needs. In the name of Jesus, may you bring healing. May you bring strength. May you bring courage to your people tonight, Father. In Jesus' name. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask what you will. Glory. That's written in the bride's ketubah of the New Testament. For the ketubah contains the bridegroom's obligation of purchasing the bride price. The mohar of what will be given to her. The matan, the special gift. And also the bride's rights. Praise be to God. We worship you tonight, Jesus. Can we just sing it together again? I know the kids have got school tomorrow and you got work, but who knows, tomorrow might not even come. This might be the last service we'll ever have. Oh, let's just worship him just once more if we could. I need you, Lord. I need you right now. I need you, Lord. I need you, Lord. Right now. Sing it to him, children. Oh, I need you. Right now, we lift our hands and bow our knees and worship at your
yes I just want to be ready